You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to the Win Win Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Ben Wolf. Focus of our episode today is going to be really interesting. Uh, it's partially a departure from the recent uh, emphasis that we've had here on fractional leadership of the various types. Although it, we all are also, if we have time, hopefully going to get into that too, because uh, we're a very special guest in terms of uh, leadership in, in the fractional leadership arena. Uh, but the main topic today is really going to be how to get how to keep your business, uh, but get yourself a better lifestyle with something called half retirement. Uh, we uh, encourage you as you listen to this or as you watch this on YouTube to subscribe uh, wherever it is that you're listening to or watching this to leave a review, turn on notifications, whatever it happens to be. It uh, really helps, helps me get this content out there to more people and to yourself in the future and to make it more accessible by other, to other people uh, through, through having more reviews and, and uh, all those good things. And my doorbell is ringing. But continuing on, we uh, will introduce our guest today, who is the author of a newly released book, Half Retire, Keeping Your Business, Ditch the Stress, uh, available on Amazon. I'm going to include the link to the Amazon link where you can get that in the description and in the social media posts. Uh, He is a well-known speaker. He's the author of Business Models for Dummies also. Uh, he is the founder of Sales QB, which is one of the, one of the nation's two largest, uh, one of the nation's two major uh, licensed fractional sales manager uh, provider organizations in the country. And you can find out about more about that if you're looking for fractional sales management at uh, salesqb.com. And uh, with that, you can find out more about our. Uh, you can find out more about our guest at his website, halfretire.com. That's halfretire.com, spelled exactly as it sounds. And with that, I give you Jim Muehlhausen. Welcome, Jim. Thanks for having me, Ben. My pleasure. Sorry, we just got a new ring doorbell. Uh, so maybe got to work on notifications on the, uh, the little studio here. <laughs> um, so with that, I want to start off with Talking about uh, talking about what I really ask all of my guests to start off with, which is if you could please give us a quick two-minute history on yourself, maybe stuff that's not necessarily reflected in your LinkedIn profile, but just something that gives people a little bit more context for the half retirement context, maybe the fractional sales leadership, sales QB context, but just something that just gives us a little context of where you came from and how you got here. Sure. So like most entrepreneurs, I you know, probably started you know, hustling when I was eight or nine years old, but I, I found myself in law school uh, realizing I didn't want to be a lawyer. So I bought a Meineke franchise instead, ended up with a pretty big business and never practiced law. Through that, I did a variety of businesses and I ended up becoming a, a business coach. And can you just say when you, when you were, when you, when you were doing the Meineke franchise, can you just go into that? How many locations did you have? What was your revenue by the time you graduated law school? Cause I went to law school and I, I worked full time. I know we talked about this, <laughs> but I did work for as a lawyer for five years, but I'm just curious. I just think it's amazing for people to listen. What did you do with that Meineke franchise when you were in law school? Oh, gosh. So I went to IU, which is in Bloomington, Indiana. It's a fairly small town. It's 50,000 people. Uh-huh. I was concerned it wouldn't have enough market. So, But uh, opened the first one there, had a chance to uh, buy an existing store in Indianapolis. Guy had a heart attack. Uh, he went to the biggest dealer in town. Right. And, you know, The guy didn't want to buy it for what he wanted to pay. 
Uh, it, it was a great story. First store in Indianapolis. We ended up buying that, did very well uh, with it. Brought my partner in. I had a fraternity brother that was kind of a minority investor, let him catch up to 50-50 and uh -huh. did what I'm sure you tell your clients not to do and I tell my clients not to do. Never go 50-50. Well, I did that. It worked out okay. We were 50-50. Uh, and then he, he moved from uh, Kentucky up to Indianapolis. Uh, then we had a chance to buy a store in the best part of town. Uh, we did that. Uh, we, we transferred wow. over kind of another brand that they wanted to basically sell the real estate. So we took over about a $300,000 business for a lease. It was a great deal. <laughs> it wow. used to cost about $75,000 to open up a Meineke. And I think that we did that one for the franchise free of 22 grand plus another entire $2,000 and got a store that did $300,000 starting day one, which was about what That's our amazing. store did. Well, what, what, did you, what, what did you get your gross revenue to by the time you graduated? Uh, it was well over a million dollars. Uh, Cause the one, store did, the, the, the one store that we bought did half a million bucks by itself. Uh -huh. And this is in the late, this is the late eighties. So a million bucks, a little bit more than a million bucks. We're probably amazing. a million dollar stores a piece by now. Well, for entrepreneurs out there listening, I mean, obviously it's, you know, they can relate to the eight or nine year old thing. And, the, and, and, and that's just an amazing, like you said, you hustle and juggling different things and, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial ADHD. So that's really cool. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I kind of half went to law school too. I was definitely not into law school. I'm sure you you did much better in law school than I did. I did graduate. Well, I like I said, I, I was I was working full time. So it's not like <laughs> I would ask me where my diploma is. It's somewhere up in the attic. Right. Uh, <laughs> I've been retired since I was 30. Uh, but anyway, so then I ended up starting a manufacturing company that made brake calipers. Did that for nine years. Got involved in a peer group. Really liked that process. Started doing peer groups. And so uh, 11,000 one-on-one coaching sessions later. Uh, did you, I that you've been the coach where I am. That you've been on the coach on. Yeah, I have coached. Yeah. I have done 11,000 sessions wow. like this, face-to-face, yeah. uh, -face, uh, one -on one-on-one uh, with business owners over the last 19 years. Wow. And that's where Happy Tire came from, right? Okay. That you start, that's where the 51 Airs book came from. It's where, to some extent, the Dummies book came from. And it's certainly where Happy Tire came from, is that you pick up best practices where you see, I, I, had a, I have a board that I sit on. A very large courier. It's the largest courier in the in the region. Uh -huh. uh, they have over a thousand employees, and uh, he did not set foot in that business for two and a half years. Pulled an enviable income out of this business. Did not set foot in the door for two right. and a half years, and uh, told me that his big problem was. I'm really worried about going back because I don't feel like people will know me or respect <laughs> me. <laughs> so Maybe even know well, who he is, right? <laughs> well, right. So that, that's on the one hand, right? So there's someone that makes half retired look like working too hard. Right. And then you've got other people that are like, I feel like I can't go to lunch without the house of cards toppling on me. Mm -hmm. And so you just like For I'm sure. sure you do, you start to see patterns, you see people that slay those dragons, you see people that don't, and you start, and I'm a, I'm a breaker downer, I'm an, I'm an analyst. And you go, why? Why can you do that? Is it the type of business you're in? A little bit. Is it the type of person you are? Kind of. Is it the way you think about things? The mindsets. It's a, that's one of the big components of half retire is mm -hmm. you can't have the same mindset running your business today as when you're half retired. And it's not just your age. It's what you want from the business. What you right. want the business to do for you changes when you half retire. So that, it basically just came from collecting best practices augmenting, you know, taking, you know, theories and strategies, testing them, seeing if they work, having great clients that were dumb enough to let me experiment on them, uh, that type of thing. Right. 
So, and, and so I, I guess that's a really good segue to, to what I wanted to ask you about next, which is I know you, you, know, you talk about when, when we've spoken before about uh, two main scenarios that people find themselves in. I guess we you know, want people to be able to see themselves if, if this is a resource that might be right for them. I guess what are the two main scenarios that you see uh, where people are you know, perhaps ripe or ready or, or, or half retirement, so to speak, is what they'd be looking for? Yeah, so it's it's not dependent upon age. I'll, I'll break that out first. And I got a, a 38-year-old guy that wants to surf more in LA that makes a sure. million dollars a year out of a nice you know telecom business. It just is like, I've already built this to what I want it to be. Uh, it could still grow, but I don't need it to grow anymore. I got a great life, but I don't get to enjoy it. How do we get more time out of this thing? How do mm -hmm. I have retire? Mm -hmm. But the, the typical person that is uh, knocking on our door fits one of two profiles. The first profile is, I don't really want to retire. I'll, I'll be bored. You know, I, I, we've got a client that makes a couple million dollars a year. And once he got to the point where he finally could slow down, he says, you know, I realized that if I wasn't going to the office, I would lose my social network. I would, uh, you know, I would not have anything to talk about with my friends. I, uh, right. you know, I, would, I would lose, you know, some of that Maslowian needs would go away. And I'd be killing time going to Walmart with my wife. Those are his words, not mine. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's those people. Uh, I, I enjoy right. certain aspects of work, right? If you go, this is the whole pie. There's a bunch of that stuff that, you know, I'm about ready to throw myself off a cliff over, but there's parts of that stuff I enjoy. And so what half retires about is getting rid of the stuff you don't like and then substituting that or, or not substituting, but augmenting the stuff that you, that you do enjoy Mm -hmm. and probably adds a lot of value to the business at the same time. Uh, so that's group one, and we'll call it, I don't want to fully retire. Okay. Okay. Uh, the bigger group is it's a financial need, that they have built a nice business, they have a nice income, but they will not be able to sell that business for a lump sum of money and maintain the same lifestyle, because at the typical 3X that most businesses sell for, the math becomes very, very difficult. And um, we, we have something we call the 44% rule. And the 44% rule says that by the time you get done paying all the advisors and the brokers and the fees that you take out of your business and taxes, you will need to make a 44% return on that money to equal what you used to get from your business in income. Okay. I promise that, doesn't say, that does you not sound. Off, go, go Google the 44% rule. It'll be the first thing you find. But it's true. That does not you sound very good. 4% return on your money in order to equal what you just gave up to sell it. And to me, that is trading a good annuity for a bad annuity, which falls into that old saying of people don't sell businesses for money. They sell them because they're frustrated. Because why would you take a deal like that? Right. And it's because you're frustrated. That's why. Right. Wow. And, you know, and, and some of what you're saying reminds me, and I know you're familiar uh, to some extent with EOS, you know, which is what I do with clients as a, helping them implement EOS, this management system, entrepreneurial operating system to get more of what they want from their business, uh, you know, help them as an EOS implementer, as a fractional integrator, kind of like an outsourced COO. Um, and, you know, what we talk about at EOS is the visionary versus the integrator. And the visionary is the, you know, that, you know, it sounds a little bit like, I mean, it sounds like there's some connections here because, you know, that visionary, the goal is that they should be able to focus on the parts of the business that they enjoy and give over to the integrator, to the COOs, you know, to kind of run the day-to-day, -day, keep the trains running on time, keep, the, keep all the pieces glued together. 
so that they could do what they enjoy more. I mean, I got one, one, you know, I got one friend in a, in a company uh, that uh, that is one of my clients who is, you know, spending spending time like it doesn't go into like twelve o'clock every day. You know, works on charities that he's founded. I mean, just spends a lot of time on other things that is just more meaningful to him. I mean, enjoys work, like you say, but you know, uh, more that he's just spends more time on stuff that he's really passionate about and he really enjoys more and less on the parts that is annoying <laughs> to him. Uh, but what are the, if people want to try to have some takeaways of, of what it means to have retire, I know you talk about six elements of what half retirement means. Can you tell us about those? Yeah. So we have a, a blueprint that we filed to get someone because, you know, I, I love what EOS does. And I think that uh, it's a great bridge for a business owner because it's, it's hard to let go. I've been a business owner my whole life. I get it. Yeah. It's hard to let go of that and being able to go to someone like you and say, you know, help me get from A to B because, I, you know, I, I may be able to give it a try, but having the time, energy, and talent that someone like you brings can help. But there's a certain size business that that will work for. I mean, I've got a person in half retire that runs a one-person traffic engineering company. Really? Okay. Wow. He's probably yeah, not going to market be... for EOS yeah. because there isn't anybody to implement to. Yeah. But have we still been able to cut his work time 40%? Yes. We, we have. So tell me about it's, that. <laughs> it's just never as simple as delegation. There's always right. other ways to cut how much you're working other than just, oh, give it to Ben. He'll do it. That, that's, you know, it's never as simple as simply delegating, we say. And so we have a process that we call fever that's in step three, you know, where we're going to fractionalize, we're going to eliminate, we're going to virtualize, you know, we're going to get more effective. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that you talk about a lot of the same, a lot of the same things. But if it's just me, myself, and I incorporated, or I've got a, a psychiatry practice that has six people, okay, and there really isn't anyone besides her that a small amount of this is truly delegable the way that you and I would think about uh -huh. delegation. So you've just got to get creative. And so, so back to the six steps. The first step is you have to have a magnet. You, what is pulling you towards half retirement, mm. right? Uh, right. If it's just I, getting I, away from work and not to something else. Yeah. Or, Hey, it sounds cool to work less. That's not a magnet. Let me tell you what a magnet is. Uh, one, one of our half retirees uh, told her husband two years earlier that they would retire together. We will retire together. Two years later, she's on the phone with me saying, I have broken my pro promise to my husband. Her grandchildren were in what I would call those golden years, you know, like five to 10 or 12 when, when they love their grandparents more right, than when they're 15 uh, <laughs> or right. when they're not old enough to I want to get away from the adults and be with kids. Yeah. Well, that was her term. She said, you know, right. I'm missing the golden years of my grandkids. Right. I broke my promise to my husband. That's a magnet. And the, the work she did was amazing. I can't believe how fast she went from, I can't escape this place to I'm out of here. I'm going to Minnesota to the lake for a month. I mean, I was like, well, what, what kind of, well, what kind of stuff does that mean? Yeah, a you lot mentioned of virtualizing, you used a couple two. words there. Okay. Yeah, so in, in her situation, uh, it's nice when a lot of it falls under step two. I think that what EOS does falls squarely into step three, which we'll get to. Okay, okay. but the EOS stuff is just I'll be patient. right in the center of step three. Step two is mindset. She had a bunch of things that were mindset related. Okay, they did very complex proposals, for instance, and um, people do what I call intellectual bundling. 
meaning got it. This proposal probably involves 25 or 30 things. And there's a bunch of stuff in there that only she could do. And if anybody else did it, it would be a mess and they probably wouldn't get the business. And that's a lot of price to pay to be half retired. And so people say, I can't give it up. But in but we call that bundling. And inside of this work that she's doing is what we call Picasso work. Work that truly only she can do. Mm -hmm. It's her special genius that she brings. But typing isn't special genius or even deciding if it looks good, right? There's all these other 50 things that attach themselves yeah. to that Picasso work and now it becomes eight hours of I have to do it instead of the 10 minutes that's Picasso work. And that's where the fever process and unbundling the hair, you know, hmm. we call untangling that hairball, right? There's this hairball of work and you got to untangle it to get it down to that Picasso work. Well, once she saw the concept, started looking at it, you know, in the way that she needed to look at it, she was like, holy cow, I'm making this way harder than I need to. And so with her, it was just flipping a switch. Um, uh, we've mm -hmm. got a client that has a physical therapy practice. There are a lot of professional practices here. I'm using, for example, here. Yeah. <laughs> I got a guy. That, well, that, I, yeah, I, I imagine there's listeners out there that are, you know, that are in these things where you can almost not imagine. It's all my own work. So it's hard to imagine. Oh, yeah. Being so able he's got to... 42 people working for him. Okay. Okay. With a big enough business, right? To yeah, delegate. Okay. 42 people working for him. He's working 50 hours a week. You know, what's your goal? And, and he calls up and he says, I'm a little frustrated. I don't feel like I'm able to kind of get this uh, where I want to. He had made some progress, but not enough. Mm -hmm. So I get on the phone with him and in 45 minutes, I just challenged a lot of his mindsets is all I did. I really didn't have any, you know, do this or great idea. But what I did do was get in his face a little bit about challenging because we all think that the way that we're doing it is the only way to do it or the right way to do it. And at one point that probably was true. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you flip the switch on, I'm going to half retire, it's now not the right way to do it, most likely. It needs some modification. Well, in 45 minutes, he calls me back. Two weeks later, I've trimmed 12 hours from my calendar. Hmm. <laughs> Every know? week? I've trimmed 12 hours from my calendar wow. for one 45-minute meeting. That's mindset stuff. That's all flipping right. a switch, all right? So I'll move on from mindset to what we call the Jenga test. If you've ever played the, the game of Jenga with yeah. the wood pieces, yeah. right? You know how sometimes you push on a piece in the middle and like the whole tower spins or you push it across the table and you're like, whoa, that one's really stuck. Okay. okay. That piece is the owner. Okay. If we try to remove that piece called the owner from that Jenga tower, the whole thing topples over. But if you play Jenga, you know that if you remove this piece here, and this piece here, and this piece here, that same piece that was stuck now slides out easily, right? And so all the Jenga work is the type of stuff in the EMIT, the type of stuff that EOS does. That what we're gonna do is we're, we're gonna systematize. We're gonna do the fever process like we talked about. And we're going to basically break that work into chunks, if you will, that's what we call fractionalized. That's the fractionalizing. And we have a, a, a term that we call fractional delegation. And the concept being, you've got this Picasso work that's probably under 5% of your work. And then the rest of it, that 95% is, is variable delegability. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's some work in there that is just super easy to delegate that we can get rid of pretty quickly. We could also eliminate it perhaps. 
But what we want to do is get that work down to its core of the Picasso work, which tends to be low frequency, high value. Mm -hmm. Taking your best customer to lunch that's been with you for 30 years, once a year, that's Picasso work. You know, it's a relationship. You can't delegate your relationship right. with Bob or Mary. It's a million dollar account. Take them to lunch, right? But do, but do you need to be the point of contact for them every time they call? No, that is not Picasso work. Mm -hmm. But where's the line, right? Where, where's the line of this is Picasso work and where's not? This is the stuff you have to figure out. But the work that EOS does falls squarely in probably step three, step four. What step four is, is mm -hmm. we're going to create what we call the autopilot. We're going to put the business on autopilot. We're going to create dashboards. We're going to figure out what the KPIs are. We're going to uh, cut the time spent managing, you know, down to flash management, if you will. Uh, I'm sure you probably are more concerned with running it right than fast. There's some trade-offs there. <laughs> We're more concerned about getting it done as well as possible, as fast as possible, mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes making those hard trade-offs of, is it really worth two hours of meetings to get what you get from those extra two hours of meetings? Mm -hmm. now, I'd love to have you to delegate that to. <laughs> yeah. um, but we'll do that. In step five, we're going to do what we call re-leverage assets. Okay. Okay. And this is there for a simple reason. Every business has under-leveraged assets. We're going to need to re-leverage those to free up some money because half retirement has a cost. And that cost is you, the business owner, not being there as much. So what kind of re-leverage, what, 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 what does that mean? Can you give an example, re-leveraging assets? Uh, it could be as simple as going through your customer list and contacting former customers. Because, because here's, here's the concept. The concept is that when you're not there anymore, that, that is a loss of assets. You, you are a valuable resource and now I don't have you there, mm -hmm. which means that either we gotta pay someone else to do it, which costs money, or potentially the business could have a loss or a, a potential loss. And so I wanna make up for that. I wanna recover that so we don't say, hey, you used to make 400,000, congratulations, you now make 350 because you're half retired. Not our goal, I wanna keep your income at least stable, all right? But I'll have to we'll have to re-leverage assets in order to do that. So that could be a business model tweak. That could be, um, I mean, usually I think the best ones are the business model tweaks. You know, where we go, is this really uh, the best segment of business for us to be in? Maybe we, um, I've fired customers as a way to do that. I'm sure you've seen those ones where all yeah. of a sudden we've got yeah, they suck, two so they marginal suck this time. You ever notice during a recession, that businesses get so much easier to run. Every business owner says, it. oh my gosh, like, my business yeah, runs yeah. so much better because I went from 50 people to 40 and I got rid of the worst 10. Right. Right? Yeah. Well, firing customers can have the same effect. Not a very, this is not a very common one, but it's an easy one to grasp the benefit of. Sometimes you can fire customers and actually add economic value to the enterprise rather yeah. than subtract. They can be a time suck and up, very low margin. Yeah, if you line up the 15 variables that aren't just cash in the door, sometimes you're losing money servicing them and you've got two problem employees on the payroll because of those marginal customers that would make your life so much more enjoyable. Right. Right, so that might be a way to re-leverage assets. Okay, that was And then last or? is enjoy the spoils. Yeah. It's not really a step. Have fun, live your oh, life, enjoy. enjoy. <laughs> That's... Uh, the that's great. And I appreciate that. I, and I, I would like to go into it more, but look, people can, people, you guys can find 
out more about Half Retirement, the principles uh, Jim is talking about at halfretired.com. I was going to go into this a little bit more. There's not as much time, but there, there is a, a course that you can purchase and take there to learn. Obviously, you could read the book, get the book on Amazon or wherever, but uh, you can also take a course on his website, halfretired.com, to get a lot more teaching, a lot more guidance on really carrying this out in your business. You also have coaching available uh, with coaches that, that uh, Jim has certified through his organization that you can go to to get help on, on carrying this out. Um, but I, the last thing I wanted to cover, I don't want to run out of time for this, is the, uh, is the fractional leadership part, uh, which is, you know, you've done so many, so many things from Meineke franchises to, uh, to being an author. And one of them is you founded one of the, one of the major fractional sales manager uh, licensing methods and systems uh, licenses that, that exist, uh, sales QB. So again, like, you know, same question as, as you answered before about how to retire, but uh, what prompted you to create this fractional sales management system? I saw five ways. So I think the scourge of small business is fractionalization. You know, how many, how many receptionists do you need? Point three. How many assemblers do you need? 4.7. You know, you right. never need a whole person, right? You always right. need a piece of a whole person. And so we small business owners have always dealt with that by making people do nine jobs is, is how we fix it. Right. And titles. it's tough yep. with a sales manager. And so I saw small businesses with, uh, we'll call it two to 15 salespeople handling the, what do you do about a sales problem? Five different ways. Either the owner you know, pretended to be the sales manager, but it's not a job they like or want to do right. and shouldn't do. They either let the inmates run the asylum. We have no sales manager. That costs a lot of money. They hire someone too cheap that doesn't have the skill. Sales management, I call it, you got to hit a curveball. If you can't hit a curveball, it doesn't matter how cheaply you can miss the curveball. You either can hit it and make money or you can't, which is method number four. I go pay somebody 250 grand to be a sales manager, but I got four salespeople and that math doesn't work. Right. You know, or the coup de grace that I saw, take your best salesperson and make them a bad sales manager. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. Please do nothing. I, if, I, if you learn anything from this, never, ever, ever do that. It never works. It's better to have no sales manager. Yes, you're better to let the inmates run the asylum than to yeah. do that. That's, uh, well, because here's what the people don't think about. Half the time, you're going to lose that person. If you promote Sally or Bob to sales manager, you got a 50, you just flipped a coin that they're not going to work for you anymore. Because if you bring them back into sales when it doesn't work, and it won't, right, okay, it's a demotion they're going to view it as a demotion. Yeah. Okay, that, that's the best thing that can happen, is they'll just be upset. Um, but sometimes they quit or, I mean, I've heard crazy stuff. You know, they keep their quota, but make them be salesmen. It's silly. So we came up with this solution you know, a long time ago, back in 2003, came up with this solution to fractionalize this and, you know, just call it part-time sales management, added it on to the coaching we were doing and, and helped a lot of people uh, doing it. And then eventually I got smart and said, hey, I got a pretty good system here. Maybe I should license it. <laughs> and that's uh, where sales PB came from. Right. And maybe one last thing, one last thing that I think would be good to understand for people is why, why are experienced sales managers that could maybe be getting 200, 250, 300, uh, $1,000 in, in full-time employment, at least that's, you know, if they had full-time employment, why are they going into fractional? Why are they go, going and doing that for multiple companies? 
Well, I think number one, it's more fun. Uh, it's a lot more fun to serve a variety of needs, a variety of, uh, a variety of, of customers. And, and to some extent, it, it's, a, it's a tough job. Sales manager is a tough job. And it, it's a, it to really do it well is, is difficult. And it can be a bit of a grind. And I think that what we allow them to do is work at that part that is their Picasso work, right? Mm -hmm. Designing what we call a proven and repeatable sales process and, and really tuning up that system that the company has. And you know what we find is a lot of companies are beholden to their salespeople because the salespeople own the sales system. You know, mm -hmm. the, the, there is no company-wide sales system that right. salespeople follow. The, the salespeople own the system and the company hopes they don't quit because then they lose their sales system. So we're gonna fix that and that's a, a high value add for the customer. It's fun work. And I think it just gives them a, a, a better way. And plus, you know, there's a lot of trend in big business, not so much in midsize, but in big business, I think they're devaluing the $300,000 salesperson. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting people that are sick of that. You know, they're, they're sick of being devalued. They get a new CFO and basically the logic is you make too much money. So uh, we're not going to pay you anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely talk to people in that situation. And, um, and, uh, and so that's, that's, that's really interesting. Okay. So it's good. I think to understand that, I, I think it's good for people to hear about half retirement, that there is another way. If that's what people want to do, uh, you can find out more about half retire by reading the book, half retire, or going to half retire.com. You can also see about the coaching and the course there. Uh, again, uh, Jim Muehlhausen's other company sales are, I'm sure, maybe not the only two, but, you know, salesqb.com, uh, like sales stands for sales quarterback, salesqb.com. If you want to find out about the fractional sales manager resource uh, and get connected to some of the people who are licensed through his system. And uh, really appreciate you coming on, Jim. I you know, really am grateful. Great to talk. Always, always enjoy our conversations. I think uh, you're doing great work for people. Keep it up. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And we'll see everybody else on the other side. Thanks. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.